be turning to Ephesians chapter 4 this morning. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32 is where we're going to kind of anchor our time today. Um, my name is Pastor Micah. We're so glad that you're here. If you're a guest with us, uh, we're especially glad that you're here. And if we can help you in any way, either on, in person or online, please let us know. We would love to do that. Um, and so we've kind of been working through this series um, in this early part of 2021 called Destroying Strongholds and looking at things in our life, things in our minds that tend to trap us or get us stuck in certain ways and how God's word can help us to tear down those strongholds, tear down those lies that we believe uh, from the enemy and restore them with the truth of God's word. And so today we want to do that again um, on what I know is a, a, a touchy subject, um, but also a very, very important subject because it's something that definitely absolutely affects all of us at some point, and that today we want to look at destroying unforgiveness. Forgiveness is a big deal. It's a big um, issue, I think, for us that looms in different relationships and in different areas. It's very emotionally charged at times because it brings back all the memories and the pain and the struggle and the people's faces and names, and it can drudge up a lot of stuff. And I'm aware of that this morning, but that's all the more reason why we need to know what God's word says about it. Because when we try to figure it out on our own, most of the time it doesn't go super well. Um, but I think God's word can really help us in this area this morning. So here's how I want to start off. Usually I would start off with some kind of story or something to kind of get your attention and give you something from my life or this, God's done this. But I don't want to do that this morning. I want this to be immediately for you. Like you putting yourself in this message from point number one. So I simply want to start with a question for you. I want you to think of one or two people in your life right now that you need to forgive. One or two people in your life right now that you need to forgive. Or maybe need to forgive more deeply. Maybe you've tried, maybe you've started the process, but it's gotten hung up along the way. Right? So who's that person for you today? I want you to take a moment. If you can't think of anybody right off the top of your head, you know, just take a moment here and just pray to the Lord. Say, Holy Spirit, please reveal to me if there's somebody in my life that I have not forgiven for something and help me to, to see that today. Let me give you maybe a couple words or scenarios that might help you kind of maybe bring somebody to mind if you're struggling with that. Maybe think about someone that you have um, distanced yourself from over the years. Maybe it's someone that you feel uncomfortable around these days, or you don't enjoy being around them anymore. Uh, think about any relational conflicts that you tend to rehearse over and over again in your head. You keep revisiting those conversations or revisiting those encounters with that person. Is there someone who said something or did something to hurt you can you, do you have any continuing feelings of anger or bitterness or irritation or fear or gossip or just a critical spirit towards anyone? Who's that person for you? Who's that person that you need to forgive today? And I want you to take a moment and be really honest and transparent before the Lord. I want you to take your pen or pencil. I want you to write their name in the top of your paper. 
You don't have to do like the full name, all right? We don't want to like put it on display for everybody else, but like maybe just the first name or maybe just the initials. But right now, whoever God's brought to your mind, write that down on your paper. And I want you to think about that person throughout the rest of this message and see what God can do through his words to work in your heart on this issue with that situation. So here's our key verse that we're going to anchor in today. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. And I think what you're going to see is there, as we look through, that's going to be our kind of our anchor text. I'm going to give you lots of other scripture today as well. And I think the overarching message of scripture is pretty plain when it comes to forgiveness. And I simply distilled it down to this. Forgiven people forgive people. That if we're followers of Christ and we have been forgiven all of our sin in him, then that leads us to be a people who in turn forgive others. That should be the the expectation. That should be the heart posture that we come to relationships with. So with that in mind, before we can get into the technicalities of what forgiveness is and how to do it, I want to start with some of these strongholds, some of these, this false thinking about forgiveness that we need to tear down, okay? So I'm going to give you point number one, false thinking about forgiveness, five statements that you have either thought or said or heard regarding forgiveness and why oftentimes we fail to forgive. So here's number one, the hurt is too big to forgive. It's just too big, right? What they did, it cut too deep. The pain is just too much. What they did to me was unforgivable. Maybe you felt that. Maybe you've said that at times. And let me just be honest this morning. Like, listen, the pain that we feel when someone sins against us, that's real. And it can cut deep. And I don't want to diminish that in any way, right? Sin hurts. We talked about that a little bit last week, right? Like sin hurts us, it hurts others. We don't need to diminish the pain that it brings. But here's the reality what we learn about forgiveness as we look at God's word is that forgiveness isn't actually about feelings. Yes, the pain you feel is real, but forgiveness isn't actually about feelings. Forgiveness is a choice I make in spite of my feelings. Plus, if the offense, if that sin really hurts you that much, why would you want to hold on to that? Why would you want to keep carrying that around with you and just feeling that hurt over and over again? It's hurting you more by holding on to it than it is to forgive and release it. Hebrews 12, 15 says, See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God and that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble and by it many become defiled. You see, when we hold on to unforgiveness, it produces bitterness in our hearts, which Scripture tells us is also a sin. So now I'm allowing this person who sinned against me to cause me to turn around and sin again in my own bitterness of heart as I hold on to this unforgiveness. And that's why Hebrews says right here that many become defiled because of it. 
because their sin and their hurt is now causing me to sin, and it just becomes this ripple effect that keeps going and going. So that's the first lie, is that it's too big to forgive. The truth is, it's too big not to forgive. That's what it is. It hurts too much not to forgive. Number two, forgiveness acts like it never happened. Sometimes we feel like if we forgive that person, if we, if we do that, then it's like saying that it, it wasn't a big deal, don't worry about it, it we'll just pretend like it never happened. You know, it, it, like, it lets them off the hook, right? It lets them get away with it if I forgive them. But again, that's faulty thinking because forgiveness actually does the opposite. In order to forgive something, you first have to acknowledge that it did happen, right? If it didn't happen, it doesn't need forgiveness. And if it needs forgiveness, that means, no, no, a sin did happen, and it was real, and it was painful, and that's precisely why forgiveness is necessary. And this whole idea that they get away with it in some way, listen, nobody, Nobody gets away with sin when it comes to God. Can I just assure you of that this morning? That when it all washes out at the end of life, when you're standing before the Lord face to face, looking into eternity, nobody gets away with any of it. It will all be paid for on that day, either by Christ in his sacrifice or by us in our judgment before the Lord. Ecclesiastes 12, 14 says, For God will bring every deed into judgment and every secret thing, whether good or evil. So when you forgive someone, they're not getting away with anything. You're just letting God handle it rather than you handle it. So that's number two. Number three, they don't deserve forgiveness. Like, Michael, you don't know what they did to me. Like, there is no way they deserve it. They sinned. They were wrong. They deserve justice. They deserve punishment. They do not deserve mercy. They don't deserve to be forgiven. And you know what? You're right. They don't deserve to be forgiven. But neither did you. And neither do I. The reason we need forgiveness is because we don't deserve it. Because we've done something that's sinful and wrong and against the Lord, and therefore it needs to be forgiven because that's the only way we can move forward. So that person in your life who sinned against you, they don't deserve it. No. Look at Ephesians 2, 1 through 5. It says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. That's us. That's all of us. Undeserving sinners before the Lord. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Friends, none of us deserve forgiveness, but that's precisely why we need it. 
Forgiveness does not neglect justice. Forgiveness is actually built on justice, and it leaves justice in the perfect, righteous hands of God, who is the just judge instead of us. Romans 12, 19 says, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Again, all sin eventually gets paid for, either by Christ on the cross, for those who have put their faith in him, or by us when we stand in judgment before God. But either way, that's going to be the right and just reward for whatever it was. Whatever justice you and I try to doyle out, we're just going to mess it up. Because we're broken, sinful people as well. And so it's better to leave it to the Lord. Let him decide who deserves forgiveness and who doesn't. Number four, forgiveness means they win. If I forgive them, then it it means they win. It's like it gives them some kind of power over me, right? Right? Because it makes me look weak, because I'm saying that, you know, uh, that, that, that they can be in control of the situation. It gives them control in, over me and my life. And, and it doesn't. Forgiveness doesn't give them power. It actually releases them into the hands and into the power of God, which will not make you look weak. It will make them look very, very weak. For all of us who have been in the hands and the power of God in our sin, we know how weak that makes us. Unforgiveness actually gives them power over you because it creates in you this heart of bitterness towards them. And worse than that, it gives Satan power over you because now you are walking in sin and he has a foothold in your life. 2 Corinthians 2.10 says, Anyone, this is Paul speaking, Anyone whom you forgive, I also forgive. Indeed, what I have forgiven, if I have forgiven anything, has been for your sake in the presence of Christ, here it is, so that we would not be outwitted by Satan. For we're not ignorant of his designs. Paul says, one of the reasons we forgive is so that, so that Satan doesn't have a, an opportunity or a power or a foothold in our lives as we're holding on to the sin of bitterness and unforgiveness. So that's number four. And lastly, number five, the last one, they have to say sorry first. I'll forgive, but they have to say sorry first. And until then, they're going to pay. Right? Like it's all coming down. And listen, in a perfect world, yes. Yes, in a perfect world, they should say I'm sorry. They should repent. They should make it right. They should own their side. But what if they never do? What if that never happens? Some of you have experienced that. You know, like, it hasn't happened for 20 years. It's not going to happen in the future, barring some miracle. Like, what if they never do that? If you're a follower of Christ, Because you have been forgiven, our calling is to have a heart posture of forgiveness, ready to forgive even before they repent or say they're sorry. That's what Jesus did for us, right? Think about Romans 5.8. 
But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, while we were still sinners, while we were still in rebellion, long before we ever came and repented and said we were sorry and put our faith in Jesus, long before all of that, Jesus died for us. He was already preparing the way. He was already laying the groundwork for forgiveness long before we were ready to be forgiven. He made the first move. And as followers of his, we're supposed to be like Christ. We need to make the first move when someone sins against us and prepare our heart to forgive at the first opportunity that we have. I was reading this week and uh, thinking about, about this, why we don't forgive and why we struggle with unforgiveness. And I, I read the story about a little boy. He was sitting on a park bench in, like, obvious pain, like just sitting there in obvious pain. And this guy comes walking by, and he looks at the young boy, and he can tell that there's something wrong. And he says, he says you know, what's wrong? What's wrong? What's going on? And he says, well, I'm, I'm sitting on a bumblebee. And the man's like, well, why don't you get up? He's like, I figure I'm hurting him more than he's hurting me. I think a lot of us think about unforgiveness like that. Sure, they hurt me, but if I, can, if I can hold on to this, if I can hold this over their head, if I can make them pay, then I'm hurting them more than they're hurting me. But you're not. All you're doing is continuing this cycle of hurt and pain and sin on both sides. That doesn't bring any freedom. too wild with my Bible. lost my notes. So here's the reality when we think about these lies from the evil one. Don't let the lies of the enemy trick you to sin in unforgiveness. That's really what it is. When we start believing these false statements, when we start believing these lies, it's Satan just allowing us, just tricking us into believing that we can do better, we can make it through, we don't have to forgive. There's another way to handle this. And there's not. There's just not. So first of all, we have to tear down those lies, we have to get rid of the false thinking, and then point number two, I want to take some time just to define forgiveness. You know, like, Micah, is that really necessary? Like, you know, like we teach like, three-year-olds how to forgive, right? Like, this is something you learn, like, seems like a pretty simple thing. Well, I think some of the ways that we think about forgiveness oftentimes are built on experiences or built on our culture or built on what the world says and not so much what God's word says about forgiveness. And so let's see if we can get a biblical handle and definition on what forgiveness is. So I did a little bit of research this week. There are four words in the Greek New Testament that are used to be translated into the word forgiveness. So kind of four different aspects of forgiveness, if you will, that come together in this biblical definition. So let me give you these to start with. Um, the first one is aphiomi, which means to let loose or release. Okay, that's the first definition, so the first word. The second one is aphesis, which means to pardon or dismiss. So kind of similar, but a slightly different twist there. The third word is harizomai, which means to show kindness or favor. 
That's an important piece of it is there as well. And then lastly, the fourth word is apoluo, which means to set free or release. Now, there's a reason there's four different words in the Greek, right? They don't all just all mean the same thing. We don't want to just simplify it too much. But they all do bring a kind of a fully orbed definition of forgiveness together. They're all kind of different aspects of it that help us understand what forgiveness truly and fully is from a biblical standpoint. And so there's a, a book written called Unpacking Forgiveness by Chris Braun. And I like the way that he describes this because he, he divides it basically into two types of forgiveness. Divine forgiveness and then human forgiveness. All right, so let me give you the definitions for each in Scripture to go along with these, and I think this will be helpful. Divine forgiveness, obviously, is first of all between God and man. That's the forgiveness that we need from God because of our sins. Here's how he defines it. A commitment by the one true God to pardon graciously those who repent and believe so that they are reconciled to him, although this commitment does not eliminate all consequences. And that's a really good, fully orbed definition there of divine forgiveness. A verse for that, Ephesians 1.7. In him, Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. I love how it has all those aspects in there. That according to his grace, that God was graciously showing favor towards us, he sent Jesus to die in our place and give us forgiveness for our sins and our trespasses through his sacrificial death so that he could redeem us through his blood, so that he could reconcile the relationship back to himself that we might be one with God again. That's divine forgiveness. Now, human forgiveness is obviously built off of divine forgiveness. It's, it's connected to, but this is forgiveness between us, man to man or woman to woman or man to woman. Like this is human forgiveness, right? And here's how he defines this one. A commitment by the offended to pardon graciously the repentant for moral liability and to be reconciled to that person, although not all consequences are necessarily eliminated. Again, you see aspects of the divine forgiveness in that human forgiveness, but at the same point, there's a piece of it that it really revolves around this idea of reconciliation, right? That God does this so that we can be reconciled to him. The reason we forgive one another is so that we can be reconciled to one another, so that we can be one together in Christ once again, once the sin has been put away. Ephesians 4.32, again, our anchor verse today, says, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Notice it goes both ways, right? It doesn't say forgive them. It says forgive one another as God in Christ forgave you. That phrase is so key. You forgive them as God in Christ forgave you. In the same, in the same manner. Okay, so that's definitions for forgiveness, biblical forgiveness from a divine standpoint and a human standpoint, connected but definitely different. But I don't think it's purely the definition that really gets people hung up on forgiving or not forgiving. I think it's other aspects connected to the definition. So I want to give you two lists right now of what forgiveness is and what it's not. And hopefully this might correct 
some faulty thinking as well on how we view and think through forgiveness. So number one, forgiveness, what it is, and this is so key, this number one, it is a response to sin. Forgiveness from a biblical standpoint is a justice issue. It means that there has been something that's been wronged or done against God, against his moral standard, against what he says is right and good and holy. And when a sin happens, even if it's between two people, it's violating God's law, it needs forgiveness. Forgiveness is about sin. It's not about personal preferences, differences of opinion, things I just don't like, you chew too loud. Like, that's not a forgiveness issue, okay? There are some things where we get annoyed with each other, where we don't like it, where we disagree. And a lot of times people are like, well, I just need to, you just need to forgive them. No, you don't need to forgive them. You need to get over yourself. Like, you probably need to do, actually repent of your own pride and your own selfishness and your own, like, not everything that you don't like is a forgiveness issue. Forgiveness is about sin. If it's not a sin, then you just need to work it out. And maybe be a little more humble in the process. So number one, it's a sin, it's a response to sin. Number two, forgiveness is canceling a debt owed to you. It's canceling a debt. When someone sins against you, it then incurs a moral debt, if you will, where now they have a debt to make it right. All right? And forgiveness is saying, you know what? I'm going to pardon that offense. I'm going to let that go. And I'm going to absorb the cost of that sin against me. I'm not going to make you pay for what you did. I'm going to absorb that cost and let it go. I'm going to cancel that debt. That's what you're doing in the act of forgiveness. Which leads to number three. It's also forsaking revenge and releasing it to God. It's saying that you trust God to achieve justice and, and to grant mercy as necessary in this situation. By forgiving, you're releasing the offense to him and letting him be the judge on whether or not they get punishment or mercy based on their relationship with Christ. And you're okay with whichever one that is. Because God's got it. So it is a response to sin. It's canceling a debt owed to you. Number three, forsaking revenge and releasing it to God, letting him handle it. And then number four, reconciling the relationship in Christ. And this is so key, guys. I feel like this is the part where more and more today in our culture, we're missing this part of forgiveness. So too often we think that forgiveness is something we can just do personally in our own hearts. Like, I'm just going to choose to forgive that person, but but you never go and talk to them. You never work to reconcile the relationship. They don't even know that they did anything or that you think they did anything. And like, forgiveness isn't just a personal emotional issue. It's a transactional issue where you go to the person and you work it out together to reconcile the relationship in Christ. Now, that doesn't mean the relationship has to be the same that it was before. Doesn't mean you have to be BFFs again, okay? It doesn't mean that like everything has to go back to normal, but it does mean that as two Christians in Christ, I can now pray for you, 
I can worship alongside you. I can desire and truly want God's best for you in your life without any hesitation, without any anger, without any bitterness. We're good in Christ. We can be brothers and sisters alongside each other, again, without any tension or resentment in the relationship. We may not be as close as we used to be, and that's okay. But we're good in Christ. That is a key aspect of biblical forgiveness. Number five, and this is important to that last point as well, it's an ongoing covenant of grace. This comes from Ken Sandy in his book, Peacemaker. It's a great book on biblical conflict resolution if you've never um, heard of it. But in there, he talks about forgiveness is this, is this commitment, this covenant that we make with the other person that we're going to continue to cover that offense in grace if it ever comes up again. And he actually gives four pieces to that. He says, number one, I will not dwell on this. All right? I'm not going to dwell on it. I'm not going to keep rehashing it in my mind. I'm going to let it go. Number two, I will not bring this up to use against you. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not just passing it away for later, and then I'm going to bring it back out and attack you with it when something else goes wrong. All right, it's a commitment to leave it in the past. Number three, I will not talk to others about this. All right, if I'm really forgiving you, I'm not going to bring it up in conversation. It's not going to be a, 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 an issue of gossip or slander or talking about this. It's, it's done. And number four, I will not let this stand between us. That's the reconciling part. This issue isn't going to be a standing point of contention. We're going to be good in Christ. Because I've released you and I've given it to the Lord. So, five things forgiveness is. It is about sin, a response to sin. It is canceling the debt, forsaking revenge, reconciling the relationship, and an ongoing covenant of grace towards that person. Now, what it's not. Sometimes this is even more helpful than the what it is list, okay? Because this is, I think, where we get stuck oftentimes. So number one, forgiveness is not denying sin occurred or diminishing evil. Some people think that forgiveness is being like, oh, don't worry about it. It's no big deal, you know, and acting like the sin never happened. That's not what forgiveness is. Again, forgiveness actually acknowledges that it did happen and therefore needs to be forgiven. So it's not denying that sin occurred, and it's also not diminishing evil, right? Listen, the pain you feel when sin happens against you, that is real, and that is good, and that is fine. You should feel it, because it's sin. But it's releasing that judgment to God and letting him be the one who deals with the evil of that sin rather than you. It's not diminishing the evil, it's just putting it in the right hands, Okay? So it's not denying sin or diminishing evil. Number two, it's not enabling sin to continue or ignoring the crime. This is another really important one. I think people kind of get mixed up when it comes to forgiveness. I can forgive you and yet still remove myself from, that, from you or from the situation so that sin does not continue to occur. All right? Forgiving you doesn't mean I have to stay in the relationship and allow you to keep sinning against me doesn't mean I have to stay in the situation and allow the sin to keep happening over and over again. I can forgive you, but still remove myself from that. We don't want to enable sin. That's never the point. 
And it's also not ignoring the crime. If something has been done or said that is an actual crime in the United States, you should report that. And let the consequences go where they go. You can still forgive them. It doesn't necessarily erase all of the consequences of sin. Don't use forgiveness as a way to just cover up and cover over when sin has occurred. Forgiveness is supposed to drag sin into the light so it can be forgiven and dealt with and move past it. If we just ignore it or cover over it, it just allows it to sit and fester and keep growing and growing and growing. So number two, it's not enabling sin or ignoring crime. Number three, forgiving is not forgetting. You've probably heard that phrase before, right? Forgive and forget. There's a reason there's an and in there because they're not the same thing. Just because you forgive doesn't mean you automatically forget. In fact, there are some offenses in your life that you will never forget. Because God created you with a memory. And sometimes those stick. And that doesn't mean that you haven't forgiven. It just means that you have a remembrance. But here's where forgiveness really helps with that. I can't forget the offense. Forgiveness helps me live in peace despite the memory that hangs on. So even though I might remember it, I know that I have released that to the Lord and I'm letting him deal with it and the justice will be had one way or the other. So it allows me to continue on even though I might still remember the offense. Number four, forgiveness is not immediately trusting or engaging again. Right? Again, as I forgive, I can relinquish the anger, I can relinquish the bitterness, I can relinquish the vengeance that I have against that person without automatically trusting them again. At least immediately. You see, trust and relationships, those take time to build. They don't just happen overnight, they don't just get whitewashed with a, oh, I'm sorry, please forgive me. Trust and relationships take time, and that's okay. But if you're going to rebuild the trust, if you're going to rebuild the relationship, you have to forgive first. And once your heart has forgiven, now it has space to start building the trust back up. But it might take some time. It might be a process, and that's okay. Which goes to number five. Forgiveness is not a one-and-done event. I'm probably telling you something you already know, right? We've all dealt with this where we, like, all right, I'm going to forgive this person. Lord, I forgive them. I prayed about it. I feel good about it. I walk away. And then next week, I'm, I, it's all coming back. <laughs> and I'm feeling it rise back up, right? And I'm like, I just, ugh. Because forgiveness is not a one and done event. Yes, we have to make a choice. There has to be a point where we say, I'm going to forgive. But then as the memories come back, as things happen again, as they may be sinned against us again, we have to go back and revisit that and say, I'm going to forgive them again. It's oftentimes an ongoing process because we're human. And it kind of creeps back into our hearts at times. And sometimes this process can take a really long time. And that's okay. It's painful, but it's okay. As long as your heart is working on it, 
As long as you're praying about it, as long as you're talking to the Lord and saying, I want to forgive this person, I want to grow in this, as long as you're moving that direction, God's okay with that. And he's going to come alongside and he's going to help you with that. But we have to be willing. We have to have that heart posture of willing to forgive as God works that process in us. So forgiveness, what it is, what it is not. I shared a story a couple weeks ago, actually, about the same person, but I thought this one was really good as well. So Corey Ten Boom, if you remember her, she was a Christian, her and her family, during the Holocaust over in Germany, and they were actually helping smuggle Jews out of the country to save them from concentration camps, and they got caught. So her and her whole family got put into a concentration camps, and she was the only one who made it out alive. The rest of them all perished. And she wrote a book when she got out, and there's a section in her book where she talks, tells this story that I thought was really powerful. She says this. She says, I was in a church in Munich where I was speaking in 1947, and I saw him. A balding, heavyset man in a gray overcoat, a brown felt hat clutched between his hands. One moment I saw the overcoat and the brown hat, the next, a blue uniform and a visored cap with skull and crossbones on it. This man had been a guard at Ravensbrück, the concentration camp where we were sent. Now he was in front of me as he walked up, and he thrust out his hand, and he said, A fine message, Fräulein. How good it is to know that you say, as you say, all of our sins are at the bottom of the sea. She says, It was the first time since my release that I had been face to face with one of my captors. And my blood seemed to freeze. He continued on. He said, you mentioned Ravensbrück in your talk. I was a guard there. But since that time, I've become a Christian. I know that God has forgiven me for the cruel things that I did there. But I would like to hear it from your lips as well. For a line. With his hand extended again, he says, will you forgive me? She said, I stood there and could not. Betsy, her sister, had died in that place. Could he erase her slow, terrible death simply by asking? She said, it could not have been, it could not have been more than seconds that he stood there, hand held out, but to me it seemed as hours as I wrestled with the most difficult thing that I had ever had to do. For I had to do it. I knew that. So woodenly, mechanically, I thrust my hand into his. And as I did, this incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder and raced down my arm and it sprang into our joined hands. And then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes I forgive you, brother, I cried, with all my heart. And for a long moment, we grasped each other's hands, the former guard and the former prisoner. I had never known God's love so intensely as I did then. See, Corey understood something with her mind, 
that true forgiveness for others only comes as we experience forgiveness from God. And she had experienced that forgiveness, and she knew that because she had that, she needed to extend that in the situation. But up to that point, it was only a mental exercise for her. But that moment where she stretched out her hand and she forgave this man who literally made her life a living hell. In that moment, she actually understood and experienced the forgiveness of God in a new, fresh, more fuller way than she ever had before. Because divine forgiveness, as we understand it and as we embrace it, leads us then to forgive others and experience forgiveness in a whole new, fuller, greater way together as humans. And so it really boils down to this. I forgive to reconcile with others the way God has reconciled with me. It's about working out with others who have wronged me, the same thing that God has done in my heart and in my life, and reconciling those relationships back together in love and in unity. So, the false thinking about forgiveness, we talked about that. We've defined what forgiveness is and what it's not. And now we have to look at how to put this into practice. So, point number three, destroy unforgiveness. Destroy it. In other words, how to forgive. How do we, what are the steps that we take when forgiveness isn't coming easily? Let me start by just kind of explaining this, that as you've kind of already touched on with the definitions, forgiveness is always first vertical and second horizontal. All right? What I mean by that is first, I have to experience vertical forgiveness. I have to align my heart posture with God. I have to know that he has forgiven me for my sins, and so therefore I need to align myself with his forgiveness for others. God loves sinners unconditionally, and so I need to love them as well. God has forgiven a massive sin debt in my life, so I can forgive others the much smaller sins that they have committed against me. God does not withhold forgiveness from anyone who repents. So neither will I. This is a vertical part of forgiveness and a vertical alignment with who God is. So we have to get that right first because until you have that, you can't really forgive someone the way you need to or want to horizontally. So once I have that vertical lined up, then the horizontal, the reconciling of relationships between us can happen. And just like Jesus, I want to move first to prepare the way for forgiveness. Remember, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He made the first move. He got forgiveness ready long before we actually asked for it. We should be doing the same thing. Preparing our hearts to forgive that person at the first opportunity. In Jesus, or I'm sorry, in Luke 23, 24, Jesus, he's hanging on the cross, and he prays this prayer. He says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. 
in that moment, Jesus is living out the exact teaching that he gave to his disciples, which is to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And he's praying with a sincere heart right now, a heart that is ready to forgive. Father, please forgive them. If they repent, if they turn from this sin, even though they killed me, forgive them. That is a heart posture of forgiveness. Ready to forgive. Even before someone asks. So, vertical first prepares us for the horizontal. Right? So the steps follow that same sequence. So five steps to forgiveness. This is the last thing we're doing. Number one, remember the gospel. It has to start with the gospel, or you can't forgive the way you need to. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 19 says this, All this is from God who reconciled us to himself, Christ, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's trespasses against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. The gospel is where forgiveness starts. We, we would not know what forgiveness is if God had not first forgiven us in Christ. We would have no concept. The gospel starts with me coming and understanding that I am a sinner, that I have rebelled against God, I have broken his word, I have broken his laws, that in his perfect, holy, just way and eyes, I am rebellious. And when I realize that, and I see that not just am I separated from God because of my sin, but there's no way for me to fix it. There's no way for me to right the wrongs that I have done. The only chance I have is that God might forgive me. It's my only shot. But God is also a just and perfect God. So he can't just forgive sin for no reason. He can't just forgive sin and act like it never happened. And so that's why he sent his son Jesus to come to earth to pay the price, to live a perfect and sinless life, and then go to the cross and pay the debt, pay the price for our sin, so that the sin could be paid for and we could still be forgiven. And Christ hung on the cross, and he died in our place, and he was buried, and three days later he rose back to life to show us that he was God, and to offer salvation and forgiveness for all who will repent and believe. He's ready, arms open. All he's asking is for you to come and repent and believe, and all your sins will be forgiven. Past, present, future, all of it. He's already made it possible. You just have to respond and receive it. We are forgiven all of our sins in Christ. And if that is true for you, if you put your faith in Jesus and you've received that forgiveness, we are forgiven and so we forgive. The gospel is the root of all of it. So step number one, remember the gospel. Step number two, 
Release it to the Lord. You now have to trust that God's going to handle it. All right? Romans 12, 19. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Again, God is the perfect righteous judge. You are not. No matter how awesome you think you are, no matter how wise you think you are, no matter how clearly you think you understand the situation and you have the facts, you are an imperfect human, just like all the rest of us. You are not the righteous judge. And any judgment you mete out is going to be flawed and broken and probably sinful. So our job is to release it to the Lord, to trust his justice and his mercy to sort it out the way it is. So release it to the Lord. Number three, rely on the Spirit. And I think this is equally important. I was studying all this, and I found this verse, and it struck me different this time than I'd ever read it before. John 20, 22 through 23 says, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he says, And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. All right, we all know that part. But then he goes right into this. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. I think Jesus is tying those two things together on purpose there. I think he knows that in our humanity, in our own ability, we do not have it in us to forgive the way we need to forgive. It is a divine act of the Holy Spirit working in us and through us to extend the forgiveness that we have received to others. And so we have to receive the Holy Spirit before we can really forgive the way that we're called to forgive. Because it comes and works through Him. So rely on the Holy Spirit, number three. Those are the vertical aspects of forgiveness, and then two horizontal. Number four, resolve in your mind. You have to make the choice. Right? Let's go back to Ephesians 4.32. He tells us, he instructs us, he commands us, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Forgiveness is a choice, not a feeling. If you wait till you feel it, it will probably never happen. It starts with a command. It starts with, oftentimes I kind of say, it starts with a crisis. There has to be a moment, a, a crisis moment, where you decide, I'm going to forgive this despite how I feel about it. And as I take the action to forgive, the feelings start to follow. And my heart starts to get in line with what God is doing in my mind and in my life. So you have to resolve in your mind. It's a choice. And then number five, refuse to dwell on the past. Ephesians 4.31. The verse right before, verse 32, says this. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. So interesting that that's right before he talks about forgiving one another, right? Because those are all the things that we run to when unforgiveness starts to creep back in, isn't it? Right? The anger starts to come back. The bitterness starts to come back. The slander, the malice, like all this starts to come as we allow our hearts to start to move back towards unforgiveness. 
And this is why it's a process as well. It starts with a crisis, make the decision, but then it's an ongoing process of every time the memories come back, every time the pain comes back, every time the hurt comes back, that I choose to forgive again. I return to the crisis and I keep the process of forgiveness going. In the end, forgiveness is primarily about reconciling relationships. First, us with God, and then us with each other. It said in that verse earlier that he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. This is what he's called us to. To forgive one another as, Christ in, as God in Christ forgave you. There are no enduring relationships without forgiveness. If you're going to have a lasting relationship with anyone in this life, you're going to have to learn how to forgive. You're going to have to be willing to forgive. Because we're all messed up. Like, if you're coming to this church looking for the perfect church and, like, everything to be always rosy, keep going. Like, that's not this church, right? We're very well aware that we're all sinners here. And we are messed up, and we're going to hurt each other sometimes, and we need to have hearts that are ready to forgive so we can continue to move forward together in Christ. Forgiven people forgive people. This is what we're called to. This is what we do. So the first thing you have to ask yourself this morning is, are you a forgiven person? Have you taken that step yet? Have you decided to trust in Christ, to turn from your sin, and put your faith in Jesus to save you and forgive you? If you haven't done that this morning, that's the first step. Do that today. Do that right now. Bow your head and pray and ask Jesus to save you from your sins. And he will do it. And you will experience forgiveness in a way that you never have before. But if you've already done that, if you are forgiven, then he calls you to extend that same forgiveness to others. So who's your person? Whose name did you write down when we started? Whose initials did you write down? Whose name did you not write down because you didn't want to because the pastor told you to, but you thought about it? Like you've got that name in your head even though you didn't put it on the paper. I see you. Seriously, who's that person that God is saying to you right now? Like, listen, this relationship needs to be reconciled. This relationship needs to be healed. It doesn't have to be perfect again. It doesn't have to be exactly like it was. I'm not saying you have to go back and whatever it was before. None of that. I'm saying for you and for them, before the Lord, you need to get the relationship right. pray and I want you to pray that the Holy Spirit would come and do a work in you to forgive that person in a new, fresh deeper way than you ever have before and let's take the steps to see God tear down this stronghold and give you some new freedom in your life stand with me, let's pray Heavenly Father we come before you this morning we thank you God 
Thank you, God, for this day to gather and to worship despite the frigid temperatures. God, I'm so thankful that these people came out. They made it a priority to be in your presence and to, to be in your word together today. And God, I pray that you would take this word that you have spoken, that you have given to us, Lord, that you will root it deep into our hearts, Lord, that this would be the new truth. This would be the new reality for how we think about relationships. Father, you love us and you have forgiven us and you are making a way for us to be forgiven over and over again, God. And we don't deserve it, but we absolutely need it. And there are some others in our lives who need it too. So God, help us to forgive them as we have been forgiven. Lord, fill us power of the Holy Spirit that we might forgive as God in Christ forgave us. For all this in his wonderful name. Amen.